Grassroots, True Grit. This is Shenango Voice. Visit our website at shenangovoice.com, and if you enjoy our programming, share a link to our podcast with your friends. This episode of Shenango Voice is sponsored by the Bohemian Moon Restaurant at 103 East Main Street in Norwich, New York, now serving the Shenango County community with take-home comfort food and indoor dining. Lunch and dinner Monday through Saturday with lunches from 11 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. and dinner from 5 to 8.30 p.m. To order or reserve a table, call 607-334-9480. The weekly menu can be downloaded from their website at twobakeriesandarestaurant.com. Just click the link to Bohemian Moon at the top of the page. Hello again, everyone. My name is Mark Finero, and I'm the technical director of Shenango Voice, a local public service podcast. Our mission is to inform, connect, and inspire Shenango County, New York with information and stories that bring out the best in our community. Shenango Voice came into existence just ahead of the coronavirus pandemic. Due to New York's current social distancing recommendations, we've adjusted our intended format, opting to perform interviews online instead of recording in our dedicated podcasting studio. As a result, we're sacrificing some audio quality for now to keep our participants safe and bring you timely information. This interview with documentary filmmakers Joseph C. Stillman and Jerry Wachter was recorded by Shenango Voice producer Diane Gallo on July 3, 2020. Their film was a year into production when the pandemic hit and leveled the economic playing field not only in Shenango, Delaware, and Otsego counties, but all across America. As we began to take stock of our circumstances, the faces of poverty seemed ready to blur into one face that looked very much like the face in the mirror. Hi, this is Diane Gallo with Shenango Voice. Today we have with us the producers of a film called Rural Matters, Poverty in the Other America, a film on the hardworking people in Otsego, Delaware, and Shenango counties. It's a film about these hardworking people and what we can do to help improve the lives of our friends, relatives, and neighbors. I have a very close affection for this film because it's so in line with the mission of Shenango Voice, which is to serve with public service information and timely reports, to take on national issues with Shenango slants, to help us get to know and better understand each other, to explore timely themes, to organize and facilitate community conversations, and to provide a venue for the voices of Shenango to share their stories. So if ever we have the perfect venue for you, this is the moment. We have with us today our producers, Joseph Stillman and Jerry Wachter. A third producer, Reverend Dana Harrell, is not with us today but in spirit he is. Joe Stillman is producer and director. He's an Academy Award nominated Emmy winning filmmaker who has made substantive films dealing with issues of social justice for 45 years. His previous documentary, Citizen Clark, A Life of Principle, is the story of former US Attorney General Ramsey Clark. It won the best featured documentary at the Oxford International Film Festival was the grand prize winner at the Berkeley Film Festival 
and represented the U.S. at the United Nations International Film Festival in Palo Alto, California. Also with us is producer Jerry Wachter, a feminist social justice advocate who helps to raise voices against violence against women and for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace and communities. She believes in the power of filmmaking as an educational and accessible medium for conveying societal messages. She's a former publisher of major scientific publications and dedicates her work to helping people and organizations make informed decisions to build a just and sustainable world. You know, I just feel like we need to like open up our shirts and let the Superman's logo flare out <laughs> from the center of our hearts. Would you like to speak to a little bit about why you produced this, why you began work on this, perhaps? Would you like to start? Sure, sure. We live in a country where the haves and the have-nots have reached the point that's never been greater in the history of this country. If you live in Shenango, Delaware, Otsego County, it's very obvious that there are a lot of people struggling in our communities. The cost of living, a living wage is essentially $24 an hour, roughly. And the average wage in our communities is around $11 an hour. So if you figure that, if just that simple equation, you could never work enough hours to make a living wage making $11 an hour. Most, and a lot of people are making six and seven and $9 an hour. So um, people are hurting um, mightily in our community. And we thought that um, one of the things that we were, we would like to do with our film is to bring um, a voice to these largely marginalized and invisible populations in our communities. And so we set out to try to tell their stories of their struggles and the obstacles they face on a daily basis. And that's essentially what this film is about. Well, this is a weighty and ambitious project. How long have you been working on this? To date, we've probably been working on this for a year and a half, but because of COVID um, and delays and being able to reach the parties that we need to work with, we're a little bit behind schedule and slides, but I'd say we put a, a good solid year's effort into this project so far. Can you talk a little bit about the term working poor? As Joe had pointed out, um, a living wage in this region uh, even is $24 an hour, and yet the um, minimum wage for the area is $7.25. And in many of the communities we have profiled, the inequity is so vast that people can't afford the basic fundamental needs to live a dignified life. Their wages, no matter how hard they work, does not allow them for a decent roof over their head real food to put on the table for themselves or their families, the opportunity to fully educate themselves because time is such a constraint when you need to work so many hours just to get by. The working poor are people that they're, well, at the moment, they're the fastest growing class of Americans. And these are the people that, that feed us, they care for us, they care for our children, they take care of our loved ones in hospitals and nursing homes, they build our roads, they're our waitresses, the janitors, People that, you know, without their help, the this country would come to a standstill. And they literally mop up our messes. Harvest um, our food. 
and and harvest our food. And when you think about people that harvest our food, especially in a region that's as agricultural as this, you know, they're not even in a position to eat the food that they provide for everyone else. They can not afford to buy it. In most cases, they're also not allowed to glean it for themselves. So it's, it's a real travesty that the wealth level in this country has risen so high for a very, very small percentage of people. And yet the working person, the person that does the jobs that often don't require a college education, but that are essential, um, that's a word that's becoming rather popular now, are essential to our day-to-day -day lives. We want to dignify their contributions. We want to raise awareness about the value of their citizenship, their contribution to society, and to offer them a platform to speak about their own lives. You know, as you were talking, Jerry, I was thinking the, the conversation about essential workers has brought this invisible world right to the forefront in a way that converges beautifully with the momentum of the development of your film and your project. So now that concept is not at all difficult to explain because we have been seeing it day by day, every day for months and months as we venture out into the world to see the people who are really essential to our lives and to look around and to kind of take stock, not categorize, but take stock and say, well, look at this, this is interesting. You at one time gave me some stats from the Brookings Institute. Would you have those at hand by any chance? According to the Brookings Institute, 53 million people in the US are the working poor. These are people who might not necessarily be considered technically in poverty, but the poverty thresholds are extraordinarily low. But these are people, as we were talking about earlier, who no matter how hard they work, cannot afford to live a simple and, and dignified life. They are the ones that hustle day to day. They're the ones that have to get into the trenches. But now with COVID and even before, it's been reported that up to as many as 143 million other Americans are on the verge of falling into poverty. That's roughly about a third of the population in the U.S. The implications are tremendous considering the impact that it's having, and particularly on, we talked about COVID, particularly on the most vulnerable population, which is the population that we're talking about now. Uh, because they're the ones that are exposed mainly to having to clean up, to change sheets, to, you know, clean tables, etc. So this is a situation that's only going to continue to grow. And um, we're just now scratching the surface. But really, there's been a war on poverty since the 60s, when Johnson, as part of the Great Society programs, declared a war on poverty. Back then, I think it was 14% of the population was in poverty back in 1964. And today, roughly, what's the total percentage? I think it's in the neighborhood of... Well, it's 42 million people are technically yeah. living in poverty, which is a huge number of people. And that's one in six. But when we take those numbers and we focus more specifically on rural poverty, which is our goal with this film, because urban poverty gets a lot of attention, as does most urban matters in general, whereas rural America has seldom received the kind of 
glory, I guess, of its urban counterparts, you know, city living is sexy, right? So one in six people are living in rural poverty. 20% of all Americans before COVID lived in rural America, and one in six of that 20% live in poverty. And those numbers, I don't think can help but increase with this current crisis. Predictions are rather grim. And the working poor, because many, in spite of the fact that we call them essential workers, many still are not working. There's just not enough employment to go around for everybody right now. When I was checking out some stats for Shenango County, we were showing a population, it was a 2016 survey that showed a population of approximately 49,000 people, 33% on the verge of poverty. And the stat that you uh, told us a little while ago, Joe, from the 60s, 15% being poverty in America in the 60s, here in Shenango County, 15% is under the poverty line, 33% on the verge of poverty, which means that every other person you see in Shenango County is struggling. Yes, yes. You know, we should define kind of what the threshold of of poverty is economically. There's various statistics that you could go by, but essentially if you're making, what is it, 11,000? Well, they they raised the poverty threshold for 2020, but essentially for an individual, uh, anywhere from $12,000 and less annually is considered to be living in poverty. A family of four is is $24,000 and approximately 300 after that. So if you think about those kinds of numbers and what the cost of living actually is, an inexpensive rent in this area is $500 a month, right? So for an individual, let's say, and and if you calculate that by the earth, that's that's $6,000. So that's 50%. That is so far beyond the 30% that they recommend for housing expenses to be able to afford one's life. So the poor are often paying an improportionate amount of money to live their lives. And imagine as an individual living on $12,000 or less when, when you're heating bills in the wintertime and you need a car that you have to fill with gas and you have to keep the car running and the roof leaks in your house. I mean, there's just no way to put money aside. Insurance. And, if you've, and then health insurance. And if you've been working as a low wage earner most of your life, it's very hard to put money aside for emergencies. It's very hard to come back from a devastating experience, like some kind of medical experience or car accident or natural disaster, right? That might really impact your life and livelihood. Like a flood. So the threshold is really low. And imagine a family of four living on $24,000 a year, considering that you have two children. It's expensive. They're expensive, those kids. In our conversations, it came forward that it's an evaluation. People are not poor because they're lazy. They're working a patchwork, many times many jobs. I was really stunned when I thought, oh, the minimum wage must be $15 by now. So I went and started to look and said, no, in New York State is $12.50. But the federal minimum is $7.25. And I thought, can't that, that can't be. And it was. And yeah. so you think of people not even having one job, but needing to patch it together with however many jobs that they can plug in in order to try to cover. 
It's pretty exhausting just thinking about that. And in your film, you made a point about respect, about respecting people. You said something, it was a, a paragraph or a, something about people are not poor because they're lazy. There's a lot of negative attitudes and bias towards people that are poor, especially the rural poor. You know, they people have all kinds of sayings about the rural poor, but the assumption is always first and foremost that they're lazy. Secondly, that they're living off of a system, that they are ill-educated or unintelligent, that they have no class, that they don't want to work, that they're drug addicts, that they're homeless. They're all of these ideas that first come to mind when people talk about the poor and the people who are working and trying so hard to get by and trying hard to raise their families and to educate their children are frustrated, humiliated, and it takes remarkable resilience to fight against that constant bias, you know, the constant criticism and the lack of being valued as a human being and the lack of respect for them as dignified individuals that contribute to society and contribute to everybody's lives. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that was most interesting about the people that were profiling in this film is that we found quite the contrary to what the general perception was. The people that we met and that we've interviewed and that we were talking to were very innovative, incredibly principled individuals. You know, they're working two and three part-time jobs to make ends meet. They don't have cash, but they there's a barter underground bartering system where they trade vegetables and eggs for car repairs. And it's really quite interesting what they're doing. And, you know, in lieu of money, they contribute time and they're, they're making ends meet in ways that really is very imaginative. And so, you know, we, we take for granted a lot of times the contributions that people who don't make very much money make, but yet they are they're really the backbone of this country. And as we have come to learn in the course of this project, we're surrounded by them because they are our friends, our neighbors, our our, our uh, relatives, uh, people that we shop with, pray with, play with, and go to school with every day. I was really interested in the idea of the time you took to build trust for the stories to emerge. I'm always interested in how the story comes out. And, you know, Jerry mentioned at one point that none of the people that you focused on, I think you had six major profiles that you did, let you in easily. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that process and about the people you profiled? People don't necessarily like to brag about being poor and they've already faced so many isms, right, in their lives and a level of prejudice that makes them very cautious about letting people in. They also have strict time restrictions in their lives because they, as you were saying before, they puzzle together many jobs and just time in between jobs, right? It takes time to, to organize and make sense of that. Poor people are often impacted by social services in a way the rest of us might not understand. So a mother who has to work 60 to 80 hours a week just to get by doesn't always have access to proper childcare, right? So they might need to leave their children on their own. So in that case, they could be suspect of, of being negligent if you will, right? So to let people into your life and expose these vulnerabilities takes a lot of courage and a lot of trust. 
And so it was, it was a process of, of, you know, small conversations and bridge building and um, really having them see that we were sincere about the work that we were doing. We weren't trying to exploit them, but we, we needed to use their voice to speak on behalf of everybody like them. And so, yeah, with some it took a few months and others, you know, are a little more willing up front, but things were handed in pieces, you know, of one of the mothers that we worked with, gosh, I don't know, I think it was four, four or five sessions with her before she finally said yes. And in each one, she would hand me just a little bit more, the morsels of her life, little bits of her children, some insights about, you know, their day and her marriage. And then, you know, I guess when she understood and trusted that I wasn't there to pass judgment and I wasn't there to expose her, but rather to hold her up that she was willing to open the door. And then we had a minister that we worked with as well. And um, she too, again, because of pride, dignity of people, they don't want to be seen first as somebody who's poor. They don't want to be seen first as somebody who might be struggling, struggling, you know, because they're working it. They're working it. And they're trying to make a difference in the world just like we are. You know, I'm a spiritual leader, right? I mean, why would a spiritual leader want to let its flock know that they were struggling, right? Because it's right. in yeah. their role, right, to, to, to hold the community up. You talked about several uh, stories that you followed. And I was really interested in the 40-year-old mother and you said one dollar at a time. One dollar at a time. Can you tell oh her a little bit of her story? She's one of the most dynamic people I've ever met. And she's brilliant. I mean, and, and so self-taught. She um, went from being homeless to living in a trailer park to finally being able to buy her own home. And overall, it was a 12-year effort. But over a six-year period, she really buckled down. And even with, you know, a household full of children, she managed to save literally a dollar at a time. Six kids. Six kids. She works as a waitress full time. Um, $7.50 an hour is what she makes. And you can imagine, and, and with tips, but tips, especially here, don't amount to much. And somehow she managed to keep her kids interested in learning. They're all high achieving students. She feeds them well. She has a knowledge base that I haven't seen in somebody that had to spend so much of their time working. When it came time to look for a mortgage, to be able to put a down payment and get a new home, those types of prejudices we were talking about earlier kept slapping her in the face. But she persisted and she persisted and she negotiated um, until finally she was able to buy a home to give her family place kind of spread their wings or children chance to run on a lawn and to grow their own food, you know, truly a dynamic, resilient, loving, loving person. On your website, it says, if you have a story about the challenging circumstances you are facing and you'd like to share it, please contact us. Your struggles are important and we want to value the hard work that you're doing and your efforts to earn a living. So if they want to contact you, they would go to www.facesofpoverty.today. They can call us. They can call either one of us. We're, we're available by telephone. 607-226-4181. You are looking for support for this film. So it could be 
direct contributions by check? Yes, incidentally, all contributions from individuals to this film or corporations, whatever, are tax deductible. So if a contribution is made to support this film, it is they're able to write this off as a tax deduction, which helps us because people might be reluctant to donate money if they can't find a way to financially write it off. And there's no contribution too small, I would imagine, that if somebody has, for example, a story, but they don't feel like they could be okay coming forward with it, but they'd like to support the idea of people that do, they could send you a small donation. Sure, absolutely. Now, we haven't covered two areas yet, pillars of poverty and who's out there to help people. And there was a point that you talked about having to jump through hoops the exhaustion of trying to get help. So can you kind of hit the pillars and the exhaustion of trying to get help? Well, that's a complex question (laughs) because we can say raising wages, probably raising wages is first and foremost, the best thing that we could aim for. And working with policymakers to push for a livable wage as opposed to the minimum wage, which most people in the three counties that we're covering, Shenango County included, don't even earn the minimum wage because the agricultural wage is less than the minimum wage. We all need assistance every now and then, no matter who we are, there comes a time. And resources for the working poor seem to be less and less available. And so they go to the organizations, these official organizations that are assigned with the duties of helping the poor. But they have to constantly, over and over again, prove that they need help. They have to constantly, over and over again, put on a piece of paper how little they earn, how many children they have, how many times they've been hospitalized, or has DHS called them in. And the time that takes alone And they don't get to even do it in a centralized location. They have to travel from place to place, you know. We have a system that directs people to welfare and punishes the ones who try. So how do you change the system? I think that the first step is to be able to have people uh, realize that every person deserves dignity and respect, regardless of their economic circumstances. And if we can change the mindset of everyday citizens, we might be able to create a a system where everybody has a fair shake. And I think that the attitudes are going to have to change. I think with the COVID right now, one of the interesting aspects to this situation is that everybody's sort of thrown into the same boat right now. And I think that uh, it's causing a lot of people to take a second look at the situation that um, they've taken for granted. And I think in a lot of ways, I think this is going to help equalize, to a certain extent, the plight that these low-wage earners are in because people are realizing, you know, that we're all in this together. and It's not just an isolated group that is having a problem here. It's all of us. We're all in the little rowboat, and we each got issued a little tin can. (laughs) And, And there we go. Listen, I would like to go in for a closing thought, question, reflective moment. In the clip of your film that is on your website, that's what came out for me was that theme of respect 
and that shift of perception that could make a huge difference in how things move forward, whether you are in a system or you're forced to a system that doesn't respect you. If you're forced into a, a welfare system or you're forced into a certain system that you truly may not want to be a part of, but you must for survival, that respect piece, it was so clear in the clip. So I really appreciated that you brought it forward at the end of our interview and that it permeates your narrative and your stories. So we're going to close here. I thank you very much for your time. Thank you for all of your work. Again, encourage listeners that if they want to participate, if they would like to tell their story, if they would like to make a donation, big or small, that they can call. Again, Jerry, the number? 607-226-4181. And please tell us the website. Facesofpoverty.today. Thank you very much on behalf of Shenango Voice. And we're signing off. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Shenango Voice. We hope you enjoyed our program. Please subscribe using your favorite podcast application so that you can be notified when our next episode is published. This episode of Shenango Voice is sponsored by the Bohemian Moon Restaurant at 103 East Main Street in Norwich, New York, now serving the Shenango County community with take-home comfort food and indoor dining. Lunch and dinner Monday through Saturday with lunches from 11 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. and dinner from 5 to 8.30 p.m. To order or reserve a table, call 607-334-9480. The weekly menu can be downloaded from their website at twobakeriesandarestaurant.com. Just click the link to Bohemian Moon at the top of the page. Thank you for listening.